Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the waitlist if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show, but before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. It's funny because I became an executive VP of marketing for an international multi-million dollar company when I was 30. And, and I think, and that's outside of Think Unbroken, a company I'm still a part of. And so Think Unbroken is another business, obviously. And I think about the massive amount of stress that people, especially in executive leadership positions are under 
I mean, uh, across my my companies, we're, we sit around 30 plus employees, right? And doing multi-million dollars in businesses. And dude, I'll have these days where today's a perfect example, Jim, where it's like up at 5.30, out the door at six, into the office by seven, hit the gym, do the thing, show up, do the meetings, blah, blah, blah. And then in the middle of it, I sit and I go, why am I doing this? And yes. in that moment, what I always remind myself of is that I'm fulfilled and I'm happy. And I think a lot of times what happens is people, and, and you could be working anywhere, it doesn't matter. But as long as you're fulfilled, it seems to me that I'm willing to drive and I'm willing to go forward. But so many people get caught up and then life hits them. They lose the job. They find out they get cancer. And then all of a sudden they're in this place where it's like, oh man, I did all that hard work and I was feeling good about life and, and things were great and I was on top of the world. And like you talked about the ego thing, trust me, I've had multiple ego deaths yeah. in my leadership career. And, and I'm wondering like when you're faced with that moment, uh, two things come to mind. One, there's that space and place for, for lack of a better phrase, ego death. And then there's that space for, okay, well, Jim, what are you gonna do about it? And identity death goes, identity goes, death goes right with that, Michael, because, you know, in my own description, you know, I've done a lot of speaking. I said, I went from being an unemployed loser, my own language, because I'm watching neighbors go to work and I'm like, what is going on? I'm reading papers, applying and all these different things. I know now that, you know, God had different plans for me, which kind of put me through that whole thing. But in the process, I mean, again, I, I, I ran a, a um, national franchise and I, I did a lot of things. So I thought, man, it's going to be great, but this is what I was meant to do. And going through a lot of what I went through is part of what makes me a good coach today, right? It's, it is the broken mindset. It is feeling like you have no self-worth until you figure out what, is, what are your real gifts and talents and maybe you can make a business out of those and, and serve others. The experience we go through. I, I did an interview just yesterday, Michael, and, and someone mentioned how you were supposed to share. It re reminded me when I got the cancer, which was melanoma, which I had never heard of until I got the diagnosis. And um, I shared it with all my family, including, you know, distant cousins. And two of my cousins went and had something checked, turned out to be melanoma because I shared it with them. Who knows? Lots of reasons why we go through things. But um, it, it's just interesting that so many of our experiences and what I learned is, you know, probably men and women, but I think probably a little bit more men, we are tied to our title, right? I mean, oh my God, hey, I'm a VP. I wanted to be a VP by 40. I made it and then, then lost my job, right? But we're so driven by our identity, by who we think we are based on title or status or things like that. And I'm here to tell you, I've been really, really broken to use your terminology. And that's not, that's not who I was at all. Yeah. When, when you were in that, you know, I, I look at, I don't want to call that your rock bottom. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but when I hit mine at 25, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this life. It's like, dude, you made a million bucks. You're 50 grand in debt. 350 pounds, life is this disaster. And, and I realized, Jim, like my health was on the line. I got super sick. I actually almost died. I got this bacterial infection. Oh my God. And I was like, nobody's coming, dude. Ain't nobody coming to save your like, you. And, and that was this really, really interesting moment for me because for the first time, it really felt like I was taking accountability of my life. What, what was it like for you in that moment? Cause like, to me, look, I don't, I've never had cancer. I don't know what that's like, but I do know what it's like to be on your literal deathbed. Like, am I going to make it through the night? Yeah. What, what was happening like in your life and in your, your mind in that moment? You know, um, I, I was, I was getting, uh, pretty desperate, but I also, I mean, we have four children and, um, when I lost my job, four kids still at home, four teenagers. So oh, wow. I mean, luckily I. I, the food bill was astronomical. I, God, for, I don't know what it would be like today in today's dollars, but, but I still had four teenagers at home. And, you know, I was trying to do the right thing. I'm, I'm look, I'm finding work became my full-time job. But believe me, there are moments I'm like, what have I done? I mean, was it so important for me to climb and go from job to job and for more and more and more and more and more? I had this thing. I wanted to have a boat my whole life. I wanted to have a house on a lake with a boat. All that was just something... They were things that I was chasing, right? And I know that now, and there's nothing wrong with having things, but I look back at my, you know, kind of at, at those darkest moments. And believe me, even after I started my business, 
I went literally overnight from being an unemployed loser to the CEO of my own corporation because it said so on my glossy business card that I got from Vistaprint. (laughs) And then I was making more money. (laughs) Oh my God. I had a chair and I I set my office up. This is going to be great. Two months later, I'm like, I got no money coming in. (laughs) You know, I'm a business owner, but I got no money. And, you know, it was interesting when I was unemployed. Stephanie told me about this group at church, which was for unemployed people. It was like a support group. I said, I ain't going to that. Why not? Well, I'm going to stand. I'm Jim. I'm unemployed. Well, maybe you can help somebody else. Maybe it's not about you. Mm -hmm. Told me that. I mean, she really hit me right in the eyes with that one. And it's true. I went there. And because of my experience, I was able to help a few other guys. And you know what happened? Things started turning for me a little bit. So I don't know, it's probably a long weaving answer, but I learned about being in service to others during that whole time. You know, one of the times that was really scary to us was um, we were approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas with like no money. And I'm starting to bankroll mortgage and things on credit cards, keeping the family afloat. Mm -hmm. And somebody knocked on our door and left like two huge bags of groceries, including a turkey and all the fixings and stuff. And I'm like, what in the hell was that? I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I'm like, that is amazing. I hope I can pay it forward someday. But all these different things started happening. And um, so I, I don't know if that answered your question. But it was uh, it, it was by far the most pivotal, pivotal moment in my life going through that. And by the way, the season of crises, um, a lot of times after you get cancer, you even, you know, you say you're going to be OK. The doctor say you're going to be OK. I mean, I go for like checkups three, four times a year the rest of my life. You start wondering, well, why did that happen to me? Why me, right? And um, our church, the men's group at our church gave out this book once, and it was called The Seven Seasons of the Man in the Mirror. And to me, I'm like, I ain't going to read that. I'm not going to read that. I was reading business books and mysteries. I'm not going to read that book, right? Well, I picked it up one night, Michael, and I flipped a table of contents. It turns out the author was actually an entrepreneur. So I said, oh, maybe let me see if this guy is talking about. And chapter three was called Season of Crisis. And uh, sometimes, you know, don't get on mind talking about the Lord a lot, but the Lord will bless you it. with a season of crises to bring you into a right relationship with him. And that made sense to me because up to that point, I, I admit, I thought everything I was doing great was all on me. I'm great. And I know now that's not the case. But so that's why I went through all that. And uh, as hard as it was, you know, we racked up m- over six figures in credit card debt. But all that was the turning point for me. And just help me start the business and then grow from there. That's, I mean, that's a whole nother chapter about fixing mindset, you know, growing businesses and stuff. But that, that was, um, that was my, that was when I, that was honestly, to use your language, when I felt very, very broken. You know, I, I yeah. think so frequently there, there are people who will listen to this. They'll see men and, and, and women and people like you doing what you're doing. They'll have these dreams, these ideas, these things that keep them awake at night and the, the fear of the uncertainty of trying to attempt to create that life, right? Whether it's going to the gym, whether it's eating healthy, whether it's building a giant conference, there's always that thing where people will tend to let themselves off the hook. And so what I'm curious about, Ken, is and how in your life, how have you faced fear to be able to position yourself to go and be successful? I have a theory that people are more terrified of success than they are of failure. So how do you go through and give yourself not only permission to be successful, but to be willing to face the fear and have the conversation with yourself at 2 a.m.? Well, I think my book that I wrote um, back in October was stemmed from a conversation from 20 years ago. I was 30, 31 years old. Um, It was the day after I just walked off of the biggest stage I'd ever been asked to speak on, eight, 9,000 leaders. Um, right behind John Maxwell, um, and in front of my mentor and my mentor sat me down the next day at lunch and she said, Ken, I want to ask you a very important question. She said, do you want to be significant or do you want to be successful? Because those are two vastly different things. And so it's been a 20 year journey for me to really strive to be a significant leader and significant leaders build others around them so that those people can win. People who chase success use other people around them so they can win. And when you strive to be a significant leader, when you strive to make a difference in other people's lives, the difference is not only can I financially do well and not only can the lives of those around me be blessed, 
Dude, when I lay my head on the pillow at nighttime, there's such a high level of fulfillment that you can't put a dollar, you can't put a price tag on. You can't, there's no comma in your bank account that equals being able to be and live at that level of fulfillment, knowing you've made that big of an impact and difference in people's lives. Yeah. And in that, how do you hold on to that? Because there, there's people who, I'll rewind. I'm 25 years old. My life's a disaster. 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep. My life is a disaster. I'm great at money. I'm working for a Fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education. I'm doing the impossible. Every other aspect of my life is terrible. And I'm, I'm constantly thinking to myself, okay, go and be of service. Go do something different. And it wasn't until a mentor a few years later had told me, like, when you're at your lowest, go and be of service because that's how you actually can create change yeah. in the world and also how you make your life different. And, and so what I'm curious about, Ken, was there a moment in your life where, where prior to being sat down and saying, hey, you know, is it significant or success that you're seeking that started to drive you towards being of service? Because I feel like so many people have that inside of them. They think about it. It's constantly on their mind. They see people like you or I and they go, I would love to be able to do that but they don't. And, and that's kind of the thing I'm trying to narrow into. Like, how, how do you step into that? You know, for me, it started in August of 1993 when I became a Christ follower. It, it really was. I was 25 years old, never really raised in church, didn't know a lot. And when I heard the gospel for the first time and not, you know, from a religious context of, you know, if you check these three spiritual boxes, you and God are okay. But really that God sent his son to take my place that he lived on earth 33 years, sinless, gave his life for me. And because of that, man, I, I can have everything that I've ever done and everything that I will do be forgiven just through simply putting my faith and trust in what he did for me. And when that happened, dude, there was such a change and transformation in my life at 25 years old. It was such an impact in my life that it had a ripple effect in all the relationships around me. And so what happened, I think from that day forward was, and I was always a kid growing up in the neighborhood. I was the one that scheduled like all the football games in the neighborhood and got all the kids together to play ball. It was just kind of always kind of my thing, kind of a, I guess like the, 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 the neighborhood coach kid, like I was the one that got everybody together, but I think it just took an, it took a different level of service. You know, when, when I, when I, when I kind of encountered God and, and, and Jesus really made that big of a transformation in my life. Michael, and really from that point forward, it was, man, I want other people to experience life the way that I am experiencing life. I want other people to understand what peace is. I want other, I want other people to understand, you know, what it means to really live and understand what your purpose in life is. And not only that, but the level of fulfillment that you can experience from walking in that purpose and being in service of others. I think those are huge. I've got four daughters, 26, 22, 18, and 13. My 26-year-old was in kindergarten. So you're talking about 21 years ago. I used to drive her to school. I'd let her out in the carpool line. I'd look at her. Her name's Holly now. She's been married for a year. Uh, man, amazing young woman. Loves God. Loves her husband. Just absolutely. Going for a master's degree. She teaches uh, inner city kids, kindergarten, first graders, inner city school teacher. And I used to, I, every day before I dropped them off, I'd say, I'd say, hey, baby, what do servant leaders do? And they would say, daddy, servant leaders do three things. They put other people's needs before their own. They do things right the first time, and they do things without being asked. And I say, okay, baby, that's awesome. Now, today, when you get in the car, what are you going to give daddy? She goes, I'm going to give you an example of how I was a servant leader. Fast forward 20, 18 years, 19 years, she comes to Birmingham to go to college, and she gets a job at Chick-fil-A. It quickly moves up the ranks at the brand new Chick-fil-A here in Birmingham. And about a year, year and a half into her employment there, she sends me a picture of, you know, Chick-fil-A where the kitchen is and they got those, that, those aluminum things. They slide like the, the chicken nuggets down and the, and the French fries and all that stuff. Written on a sh in a Sharpie marker were those three things that servant leaders do. Her, she, she had taught and that's how she had, that's how she had really led her team was through servant leadership. So much so that she just kept getting promoted, 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 promoted. And finally, one of the days the owner operator said, how are you doing this? She goes, it goes back to the three things my dad taught me that servant leaders do. 
And he goes, I want you to write that down. And it's literally in the Chick-fil-A. This was three or four years ago. It's still there in Sharpie Mark. It's written where they slide the food down. Three things that servant leaders do. And when you have a heart of a servant leader, it, it becomes about other people and not about yourself. And when you do that, dude, you know this, Michael, man, people are attracted to authenticity and people who are genuine. They want something for you and not something from you. Yeah. No, I, I do know. And that's really beautiful. And I, I think about the, the impact that leadership at a young age can have on people. And not only that, but it sets up this beautiful precedent for them in turn to deliver that to others. And, you know, I, I fell into leadership um, really by accident, you know, working into retail at a very young age, working in fast food at a really young age and learning these skills, eventually putting me in this position now to, to be able to be so fortunate to lead thousands and thousands of people every single day. And, and it does, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. Like it's about other people. It's about taking these tools and these understandings, what we have been able to do and shape in our lives and deliver it in ways that other people can consume them. Because ultimately I think about us like we're, we're a communal species, right? And, and without being in those environments, without being spoken into from other people, without consuming the information, you know, it's really fascinating to me that the difference of your life when you aren't showing up versus when you are. And I think, you know, you and I obviously who, who both um, love John Maxwell and his leadership books, you know, thinking about these mm -hmm. ideas of value. I, I think one of the things I want to talk about here is how do you find value and, and purpose in what you do? Uh, while still being an entrepreneur, because I know right now the Unbroken Nation, I recognize that some of them are entrepreneurial or have a side hustle. Some of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them are, you know, just trying to figure it out. And I think that people so often, and this kills me about this society, are so often torn about the idea of being of service and making money. Talk about that, Ken. Well, I, I, I was in... I did an event in October in Vegas with my good friend, Brad Lee. Brad said this in his talk on Saturday morning. He said this, he said, when we stopped focusing on revenue only, and we started focusing on how we could serve and help our clients solve problems, he goes, the revenue needle moved at such a pace and at, at a level that we had never experienced before, because it wasn't just about the dollar, wasn't just about it wasn't transactional. We heard this at Create. It wasn't transactional. It was relational. How can I build a relationship with you? How can I help you win? It, if Whether it be personally, professionally, or financially, how can I help you win in your life? And it goes back to the old Zig Ziglar quote. It's my favorite quote from Zig. If I help enough people get what they want, eventually I'm going to get what I want. And so I know that if I serve people and help people and love people, especially in today's culture, Dude, it's so rare to have somebody like you who literally just wants to serve people, who literally just wants to take care of people, who wants to help people go from whatever level they are to the next level. And then from that level to even to the next level, like, what are you dreaming for? What are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to accomplish in your life? And really calling them to a higher level, really compelling and encouraging them, being the Analyst for, hey, you can change. You can get better. You can do the thing that you want to do. It's not going to happen overnight, but you can do it. And so I, I think that's it, dude. When you, like Brad said, you focus on solving problems. You focus on building relationships. The financial piece, moving the needle with your, with your revenue and your business, those things are naturally going to happen. But I think when you focus on that first, you, you tend to, be drawn into transactional versus relational. And dude, there's so much transaction that goes on right now in the world that we live in. It's, it's, it's really not healthy. And when you can, what it, what it costs you though, is this, Michael, when you live a life where it's about relationships and it's not just about transactions, sometimes it's going to cost you. Sometimes people won't take advantage of it. Sometimes those things are going to happen. And guess what? When that happens, you have to go, you know what? That's okay. I'm still going to lean in what I know that I know, number one, who God created me to be and what I'm called to do. I'm going to serve people. I'm willing to take care of people. And when you do that, the revenue needle, as Brad said, Darvan, back in October, the revenue needle is going because people are going to take notice when, to you because of your authenticity and your desire to want something for them, as I said earlier, and not from them. 
Mm. You know, what's really interesting too, as I, I reflect on a lot of the things that I've been able to do in my life, I really do truly mean this. Like I shouldn't be here. I should be dead or in jail. And momentary celebrations often have felt overshadowed by the need to sabotage, which I've had to do all the therapy for. And today it's very different where I sit in it and I have grace, I have compassion for myself. And it's it's literally the foundation of what I, I teach my clients. It's like, hold on, wait a second. You are your worst up. You're not your worst mistake. But this idea, I want to go into this TikTok. And yes, everyone has a TikTok. It's fine. Two two-part question. How do you actually define self-sabotage? Mm-hmm. And then B, how do you recognize it? Mm-hmm. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mm. So for me, I define self-sabotage as not not allowing yourself to have something good stay in your life. So if something good happens, you're going to push it away. You're going to do something to get rid of it, or you're just going to have a thought that now something bad's going to happen. So how would you define it? Yeah. For me, it is unconsciously doing things that I know are to the detriment of the life that I want to create. Okay, that also, yeah, that makes perfect sense as well. Doing something to the detriment of all this good that you could have. Yes, absolutely. And so in in defining it, the thing that it's been able to do for me is help me recognize it. Yeah. And so that was the other, like, how do you recognize? Let's face it. You have been able to build a massive online career. You're one of the best public speakers in the country. You've worked with some of the greatest minds on planet Earth. And I know that people are going to be like, there's no way this person self-sabotaged. <laughs> right. But we all do. And so how do you notice it? Like, you're, you know, you're getting ready to do a launch or you're getting ready to write this book. And it's like, you know, if Amy's not doing the thing. Yes. OK. So one of the things that helps me notice what's going on with me is the art or the practice of journaling. Now, I don't even like to journal. It's just I wish I did. It's not my favorite thing. But every morning, if I spend 10 minutes journaling and I do a brain dump, what's going on? Let's see if we can work it out on the paper. When I see all the things that I think are going to happen in a bad way, all the bad things that are going to happen, or when I'm only focusing on the negative throughout all of these pages, I know there's some self-sabotage here because there's always good things happening around us if we look for it, if we allow them to come in. And so if all I'm doing is thinking about all the scary things, all the bad things, what I'm afraid of, I'm not letting something good happen in bloom. And to me, it's very, it's like the evidence right there, you're self-sabotaging. Wow, that's, that's really profound. I, it actually makes me want to go and look at some of my older journals now, because I am a journal, 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 
whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. And so I always have kind of looked at being a writer before anything, before, that's coach, so great. before a speaker, before a podcast host. And now I'm very curious if that's the kind of language that I was actually putting in that journal and if maybe we could make meaning of that. Because I'm always pushing people here, like, go journal, write down, get that stuff out of your head. Ah, so powerful. I hope one day I enjoy it and love it. I don't know why I struggle with it so much. Maybe, you know, I've never thought about it this way. I wonder if I struggle with journaling so much because I do have to face the things I I actually don't want to talk about. So if I am sharing my fears, if I am putting down on paper what I'm worried about, and I'm a natural worrier, so there's lots of worry. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this. I want to pretend like it's not there. I want to go do my work, do another Facebook Live, do another TikTok. That is not healthy. You have to deal with it. So I think now maybe it's because of that. But journaling doesn't have to be all negative. There's so many amazing prompts you could do about what you love, what you're grateful for, what you're looking forward to. I probably don't do that enough. Yeah. I Well, and I think I don't either. I don't think anyone does. I mean, especially mm. not in this society, right, where everything's negative all the time, always really have to be cognizant of it. Right? So and, true. And, and I mean, you know, I think often you cannot hide from yourself, right? And and that's true of my journal, of my mirror, the show of the things that I create. That's like, I remember when I was in my 20s, like I was working for a Fortune 10 company. I have no high school diploma, no college education. I was making six figures, very improbable. But I was deep, deep, deep into self-sabotage. And by the time I was 26, I've shared this on the show before. By the time I was 26, I made a million dollars and I was 50 grand in debt. Ugh. And and you talk about hiding from it, like the bills would come and I would put them under the other bills and I would stuff them down. Totally. And then my sister would call me and she'd be like, why are these people calling? Oh, no. Right. It's like inevitably, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try to run from yourself, you have to recognize you're going to discover who you are. And, and I think like innately as humans, it's part of suffering to look at the truth. Yes. But it's also the very thing that frees you, you know, which leads to thinking about your journey. You know, you go back, I would dare say there's a lot of people who would literally kill for the job that you used to have. <laughs> and and people would look at that and go, how could she ever give that up? Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how much of that experience, and if you want to talk about the job, you're, you're more than welcome to, but I'm wondering how much of the experience of moment in time, which has now transformed you and your life into what it is, was about you honoring your truth and your authenticity. Mm. So such a great question. So I worked for Tony Robbins for almost seven years as the director of content development. So I got to travel the world with Tony and the team and work on the content that he does on stage, like Unleash the Power Within and Date with Destiny. Anyone who knows Tony knows those events. And it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. And one thing I've never, ever, ever talked about is that every day I thought I was going to lose my job or get in trouble or do something wrong, not because of the environment. The Tony Robbins environment was incredible and I loved, I loved working there and Tony was good to me. It was more so all my demons, all my fears, all my insecurities. It was a really amazing job and I was scared I wasn't worthy of it or that I was going to do something wrong. And that's that self-sabotage. I got something great. I got, you're right, I got a position and I got paid well and I got to travel that many people would have loved. And I thought maybe I don't deserve this or maybe I'm not good enough. And so I really struggled through that experience and kind of haven't really thought about why some days were really hard. I loved it. And I kind of silently struggled behind the scenes with my own insecurities. But when I officially decided to leave, it had nothing to do with not loving my job. And it really probably didn't have anything to do with those insecurities I even mentioned. It came to a point that I, for the first time ever, and I had been in corporate since I left my days of college. It was the first time ever I thought, I want to do something on my own. I want more freedom. I want to call the shots. I want to be more creative. I want to build something for me. So it was something that it was like God guided because for me, I didn't have confidence at the time. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do on my own. But there was this knowing 
And I, I do want something different and something really exciting. So I don't know how that all came about, but it, it really did happen that way. We'll be right back to today's show. But first, I need to ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling like you don't have the support to go to the next level in your healing journey? Are you feeling like you wish you had a little bit more support from not only myself, but the Unbroken Nation? Well, my friend, I want to invite you to come and join our live weekly coaching sessions in Think Unbroken. All you have to do is go to keys, K-E-Y-S, keys.thinkunbroken.com to sign up and join us today with 100% money back, no questions asked, guaranteed, and no contract or commitment every week for the next year. You can come and be a part of our live coaching sessions each Monday as we dive deep into not only answering your questions, but questions from the Unbroken Nation and help you Take all of the information that you learn in the podcast, in the courses, and other areas of this journey, bring them into your life, and use it in a way that is practical, life-changing, and transformative. So my friend, join us at keys.thinkunbroken.com, and we will see you this Monday. And there was a calling to it, right? And Yes. Were there, like, what I'm curious about is, because I think a lot of people feel that, right? Whether it's jobs, relationships, anything that transpires in our life, we often feel pulled to, this is the thing that I need to do. And, and my argument for myself to do the thing is to recognize that if I don't, I'm going to die with regret. Mm-hmm. And that to me is honestly the most terrifying thing on planet Earth. And yeah. so what was kind of the time frame, if you can remember, mm-hmm. between you starting these ruminations to the execution of walking into arguably one of the greatest jobs in America and be like, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. So it actually, there was a very specific moment that happened. So I'd been there for about, I don't know, six years or so. And Tony had a meeting at the San Diego headquarters where I work. And he brought in a bunch of internet marketers. They were all men. And it was Brendan Bouchard and Frank Kern and Jeff Walker and just like, the most amazing internet marketer guys. And I didn't know who any of them were. But what happened was Tony was starting to do more stuff online, building up his digital course library, all that good stuff. And he was just curious how these guys were running their business. And so we went around the table and he's like, tell me about your business. And all I heard them say was freedom. Like they talked about creativity, freedom, lifestyle, freedom, financial freedom. They were calling the shots. They had time to be with their families. They were going on vacation. They were living really good lives. And that's kind of what they were talking about as they went around the table. I took, oh, I forgot to tell you that I was invited to that meeting to take note. I sat at a different table. I was not part of the conversation, but I was asked to take notes because one of the things that Tony does really well is he documents everything and he goes back and he studies it. And so taking notes was just a normal thing we did for everything. So I, I took the worst notes of my life that day because all I wanted to do was hear about what the heck are these guys doing? And in that moment, I realized I am not free. I am not free. I have uh, every single day of my life, I've had a boss from growing up with a really strict father to then getting into the corporate world and boss after boss after boss. And these guys were calling the shots and something in me sparked to say, I want to do that. I want to call the shots. I don't even know. I had no idea what I would do, but I wanted out. And it wasn't like I wanted away from the Robbins organization. I just wanted a way to do something new, different and on my own. So it was that meeting that sparked it like that. And it was a year from that meeting that I actually took the leap. Were you thinking about it every day? Every single day, every single day. And I had to be careful and I teach my students this as well. I didn't want to have one foot out and one foot in and do a terrible job and then leave the Robbins organization and not have any respect for my coworkers or Tony or anything like that. So what I did instead, instead of like being like, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be here anymore. I thought, how could I, I wasn't ready to leave. I didn't have anything put together to leave and go out on my own. And, and so what I did is I decided, can I change my job here to learn some skills that I don't have that could be really helpful when I eventually do leave? And because I had been with the business for a long time and had good standing there, I asked to move to the marketing department. Then I asked to work on our digital course launches. Then I asked to work from home. And then I asked to go part-time. All of this happened over the year. 
And it was so perfect because the, the business was transitioning at the time. They were making huge changes. So I just kept getting yes after yes after yes. So I feel very fortunate. But my friend reminded me today about something else we were talking about. You never get what you don't ask for. So I wasn't afraid to ask for it. And that helped. True. People don't want to hear it, but it's true. I didn't want to hear it either. These relationships don't work. It's their fault. This, this business I started doesn't work. It's my customer's fault. All like my health is bad. It's my genetics, right? There's always a, an excuse to be made. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when I decided to step into, and look, excuses are valid. Let's call it what it is. I'm not going to take that away from people. They're valid. But at some point you have to realize like it's you, like it is you. And, and that for me became really transformational. And I understood something really, really deep one time, one day as I was like thinking about and and literally charting out the person I want to be with top to bottom. I said to myself, be the person this person would be attracted to. Yeah. And like that, that and that became a really interesting cornerstone in my life because it's like people want, I don't believe in dating up or dating down. People are like, oh, they're out of my league. I'm like, no, no, they're out of they're not out of your league. You just ain't in the ball game. Right. And so it's like that that's the thing I'm always thinking about is like, what does it actually take to be in the relationship that you want to be in? And it takes you, it takes you because this person, it's going to take them. And then you'll meet in the middle if the stars align and it's supposed to be right. But otherwise it's not. And I, I love Dan Savage tremendously. And, and he always says every relationship you have is going to fail until it doesn't. And, and I think that that's a really interesting point, but I always want to add a little, little bit to that. It's like, but you will learn from that. You will grow yeah. from that. And so I'm curious, as you, as you were in this red dress moment, you're looking at your life, you're reflecting, you're like, I'm going to do this external work. Something about this feels valid and makes sense to me. I assume your confidence is pretty low at the time. And so yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what that journey was for you. Because relationships, you know this in your field, probably more than anything, relationships destroy people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering, A, where you were and how you rebuilt your confidence. And then B, why do relationships destroy people's confidence? Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Those are big questions. Do we, how much time do we have? Like, I have so many as, stories. I want to as, as long as you need to answer the question. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because there were, you know, I have, when I look back on, on the life, I don't know if you find this. I, I always, think in metaphors and movies, it was almost as if I was Dorothy, you know, hopping down the yellow brick road with my basket. And with each experience and each relationship, I would put a tool in my little basket and I keep skipping. And I, I suppose we're all looking for Oz. Well, you know, as well as I do, there really is Oz. So like, what, who, what is that really? But what we can do is look at where we are right now and what, what it is, what we want. And when I was skipping down my yellow brick road, um, after I had the red dress moment and realizing I was really scared to wear that friggin' dress, um, I it was the domino effect. So it started with just getting used to being seen. And then I had to learn how to put myself out there and talk to the aliens. I'm like, great. So now I'm getting the attention. I called you men aliens. I'm like, that's great. But now what the do I do with you? Like, I don't even know. So I'm like, eh, you know, I couldn't talk to you. I didn't know how to flirt. So flirting is actually a big part of my business. I do flirt workshops. I, 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 I believe that this is one of the first things that people need to be comfortable in. And, and for my journey, I realized that, um, yeah, I could, I could talk to people. I could be friendly, but raising sexual tension and being like in my sexy confidence. So that's another category of confidence. By the way, there are like different categories of confidence too. And we can get into that. But that was crucial in, in terms of just that first stage of attraction. Like, how am I supposed to get a date if I can't even be comfortable with my body and my sex appeal and all of that jet? Right. And so then I had to learn how to flirt. And so what did I do? I had to go practice it. I mean, that started out with my first friend, Laura. Laura, if you're out there, hi, I miss you. Um, she, she was another single mom who was like, like willing and ready and able to go flirt with me. And, um, I did not know what the heck I was doing. And, and I knew I was in trouble when she rang the doorbell and 
she was just drop dead gorgeous. She had long blonde hair and she had, you know, like her tight jeans on and a nice shirt. And, and I went to hug her and she smelled like vanilla. And I'm like glancing in the mirror and I'm like, okay, I don't look like that. I, I went back to my black clothes. I forgot about my red dress, you know, and I did not smell like vanilla. I remember like running into the bathroom and putting like Febreze on or something. I'm like, okay, I got to do something. I'm going to like <laughs> look the part. It's so like a nerd. I literally was just like following her around like a puppy dog. And I remember because we in California, there's a place like the valley where it's more suburban. And she drove from the dark suburbs into the sparkly lights of the city of Santa Monica. I'm like, there's life after, after dark. And so we stop at this bar and this was lesson number one. I see this long line. I'm like, Laura, I cannot, I, I literally cannot stand in that line. I'm too old for this. My babysitter is only here for a certain amount. Of She's like, Ch-ch-ch. I'm like, uh, what? She's like, just follow me. And so she gets out of the car and she like, you know, does her little clank, clank, clank in her heels. And she goes to the front of the line. She whispers something to the bouncer and we get whisked in. So I'm like, okay, wow. I don't know. And I still don't know what she said, but somehow we're in the bar with a bunch of aliens. And now I'm like, now there's so many aliens in one portal. What do I, what do I do? So I took a lot of notes that night. And one thing that happened is that we sat in the, in the bar and she's like, watch this. And she showed me the power of body language. So I wasn't comfortable in my body. Right. So I had to get comfortable in the red dress. Now I have to work on my body language. And she did something called the three second rule. Do you know what that is? Have you ever heard of that? No. Tell me. Yeah. Is this a too long of a story? I, it's just, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Because this is, this is another pivotal movement. I'm told, telling you all these like little stories that happen. And so there was this cute guy across the way and she did the three second rule where she looked at him and then she looked away and then she it was like one, two, three. I didn't make this up, by the way. Like this is out there and research, like you can like read about the three seconds. Um, but I kid you not, in 30 seconds, he was right there next to us. I'm like, how did you do that? You know, and so the big lesson in that, in that moment was that there's more than the red dress. It's being comfortable in my skin. It's being comfortable in my body. It's being comfortable with men really embracing that side of me. And I, I had to stay there for a while. I had to swim in it. You know, this wasn't like, this was new for me because I didn't have a lot of dating experience either. And I'm a single mom, you know? So again, me redefining myself, that kind of reinvention was starting to happen. And then from there, of course, I have a lot of other stories, but then, you know, going out and practicing flirting, then I got more, and I called them my sex in the city gals. And we would go every single week and practice flirting in different venues until I got super comfortable with it. And now I teach it, right? And so when you talk about, you know, it's so true, you can fall victim to something or you can lean into it and it be your gift. And I almost fell victim to it, but I decided to, in the fork of the road, pivot, turn and go the other path. And, and I think that's why I'm so passionate about doing what I do. So all of these stories, all of these experiences and practice kind of like opportunities is what led me here today. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.